Bob, and you can share what's going on at Bellevue College. Hmm. Hi, uh, my name is Jack Moore. For those of you who I'm not acquainted with, and there are a lot of people here. I'm excited. Uh, good to see you. And uh, it does sound like I am clear. Everyone can, everyone can hear me. Good. Um, yes, I get to uh, give you an update about. Well, I'm Eatonville Baptist Church's campus missionary to Bellevue College, um, and uh, I am a campus pastor. So. I thank you guys for opening up the space for me to share with you shortly this morning. Um, I'm often asked about what ministry looks like in a pandemic, uh, and that is like a big question. So uh, with the limited time that I have, I'll just give you some short answers and um, give you sort of a glimpse into the world that we've been living in. Uh, so we have been finding ways to meet in person throughout the pandemic, thanks to the help of local churches and especially coffee shops, um, and but otherwise we've been almost entirely online for two years, which, uh, as you can imagine, has taken a massive hit to our ministry. Um, so we reduced from the capacity, like we had about 60 students in our ministry, and it went down to about like 15 or less. Um, and, and so uh, we're really excited because Bellevue College is finally opening its campus for students to be able to meet in person, uh, attend class in person. So we've been planning uh, a massive evangelistic push this fall and winter, expecting uh, that the Lord will definitely bless us as we spend all our time on campus reaching out to students. And we don't know what that looks like um, entirely yet, and you know how plans go in a pandemic. Um, it'll all pan out, I hope, in the end. So uh, yeah, but there have been a lot of wins this year. For us, uh, some big wins, I think, have been in the area of discipleship. One of the benefits of a pandemic, say benefit of pandemic, uh, one of the br good things that have come out of the pandemic is that, and I think we've all experienced this, but our lives have been simplified um, in a lot of ways. Um, and I really believe that simplicity breeds depth. And in our ministry, we've seen the fruit of that depth in our discipleship. So um, typically we have... We develop about five student leaders per year, um, and the health of a ministry is really gauged by how strong your campus ministry presence is, where the students are living in student housing, and the kinds of leaders that you're producing. Um, I feel confident that the leaders that we've produced for this coming year uh, are of the caliber that they could take on the ministry responsibilities that I personally have, uh, but on their own. Uh, let's say if I was not able to be on campus for some reason. Um, and that's saying something. Um, coming out of a pandemic, these students, uh, I have my have my total confidence. Another big win for us uh, is that we have uh, been developing for a long time a missionary scholarship um, with the idea that we would support a student to be able to live in the campus residence halls. Um, and those residence halls are the key to a campus ministry's success. We finally developed that uh, scholarship, and we're actually able to award it to one of the students in our ministry. And so uh, we have two student leaders coming into this next year and a student missionary who will be living in the residence halls, reaching out to students and building uh, fellowship there. So those are two huge wins for us this year. Um, while our quantity has decreased, our quality has increased, 
you know, the strides that we've been able to make have been few, but they've been far. Um, and we're really blessed. Uh, I think just the Lord has given us a spirit of long suffering to be able to stay in it for as long as we have it. Um, even to have the kind of excitement that we do to get back on campus this year. Um, now with the short amount of time that I have, like I could tell you anecdotes and it would be so good and share all these stories and things like that. What I would encourage you to do is actually sign up for my newsletter so that you can get a better idea of what uh, is going on in a better long-term glimpse of how we're moving in the ministry. So that sign-up sheet is in the foyer. Uh, you can go back there and put your name, address, or your email address on there, uh, and I'd love to keep you updated about that. But I also wanted to share with you uh, just the heart behind campus ministry really quickly. Um, and uh, with a short amount of time that I have left, um, give you a glimpse into something that I've been seeing in my quiet times with the Lord. So um, I've been going through First and Second Kings, in Chronicles, and this is probably my third time going through it this year, there's something that I noticed, uh, and you'll probably see it too as you go through it yourselves, um, but did you know every time a king did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, his mother's name is mentioned? Every time it says his mother's name in conjunction to that king and his good deeds. Um, but when a king does what is evil in the eyes of the Lord, his mother's name is not mentioned. Or there are a few cases where her name is mentioned, but the author takes uh, very special care to let you know that it's her, uh, what her nationality is, uh, so that you know that she's not Jewish. Um, so, for example, Second uh, Chronicles 27, Jotham was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 16 years. His mother's name was Jerusha, daughter of Zadok. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Um, we got... Second Chronicles uh, 20, 31, Jehoshaphat reigned in Judah. Judah, he was 35 years old when he became king of Judah, and he reigned in Jerusalem 25 years. His mother's name was Azubah, daughter of Shili. He walked in the ways of his father Asa and did not stray from them. He, was, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Um, it goes on and on and on over in Second Kings, etc. Um, why? Why does the author mention the mother when the king does what is right? I don't really know, and I'm sure I'm missing a lot of things, and a lot of you, um, you know, people out there have read and know more about the Bible even than I do, so, you know, don't eat me if I miss something. Um, but I believe that the author is giving credit. He's giving credit where it's due. Credit for what? I believe he's giving credit to the mothers for discipling their sons. Kings succeeded or failed where they were discipled or weren't. Um, Jewish mothers were faithful to lead their sons in the ways of Yahweh. Uh, foreign mothers discipled them in the ways of their gods. The story of kings and chronicles is actually the story of what happens when the children of God stand up and fill the discipleship gap or don't. And the story of campus ministry is the same. Um, it's the story of people rushing to fill the gap to disciple future leaders. If we don't disciple them, they will be discipled by someone, just not in the ways of Christ. And we know what will happen based on what the word tells us, that the nation suffers. And I believe that our nation is suffering from a lack of discipleship in this area. The number one demographic 
that is absent from churches in the world today are ages 18 to 25 college students. Um, but the good news is there are people like me who are rushing to fill that gap, and I do believe that the gap is closing. Every year, thousands of campus missionaries like myself are rushing to fill the void, um, to continue on the work that you, moms and dads, have been pouring into in your kids' faith journey, to make sure that they are carried through safely one of the most tumultuous and formative seasons of their lives. And as we get closer and closer to completely closing this gap, I believe that God is going to bless our nation to in a way that would rival the days of David and Solomon. I'm proud to be a part of that work. I'm grateful to be your supported missionary. The work forward itself, not just on the efforts of people who are willing to volunteer their time, but also on the faithful prayer and financial support of you, um, friends, family, and churches. So... Uh, I want to invite you also to consider joining my financial support team. My support raising season is uh, done as of yesterday, and I still have $50 per month left to raise on my support raising budget goals. So please pray um, and see if the Lord would lead you to do that. If you're interested, again, sign up on the uh, sheet in the back, and I would love to meet with you and answer your questions and tell you more about that. Thank you again for giving me some time to tell you about the ministry and give you a little update. I look forward to talking to you guys more about it in person. Yeah. Thanks, Jack. And Peggy, yes. Everybody knows it's Peggy. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Wow. Um, what a great encouragement. Uh, let's continue in our encouragement and our fellowship this morning. Um, Kina, if you could come up and read Psalm 31. Psalm 31, the Lord of Fortress in Adversity. You, O Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in your righteousness. Bow down your ear to me. Deliver me speedily. Be my rock of refuge, a fortress of defense to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for your name's sake, lead me and guide me. Pull me out of the net which they have secretly laid for me, for you are my strength. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, God of truth. I have hated those who regard useless idols, but I trust in the Lord. I will be glad and rejoice in your mercy, for you have considered my trouble. You have known my soul in adversities and have not shut me up into the hand of the enemy. You have set my feet in a wide place. Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. My eye wastes away with grief, yes, my soul and my body. For my life is spent with grief, and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my iniquity, and my bones waste away. I am a repro reproach among all my enemies, but especially among my neighbors and am repulsive to my acquaintances. 
Those who see me outside flee from me. I am forgotten like a dead man out of mind. I am like a broken vessel. For I hear the slander of many, fears on every side. While they take counsel together against me, they scheme to take away my life. But as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and from those who persecute me. Make your face shine upon your servant. Save me for your mercy's sake. Do not let me be ashamed, O Lord, for I have called upon you. Let the wicked be ashamed. Let them be silent in the grave. Let the lying lips be put to silence, which speak insolent things proudly and contemptuously against the righteous. Oh, how great is your goodness, which you have laid up for those who fear you, which you have prepared for those who trust in you. In the presence of the sons of men, you shall hide them in the secret place of your presence. From the plots of man, you shall keep them secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. Blessed be the Lord, for he has shown me his marvelous kindness in a strong city. For I said in my haste, I am cut off from before your eyes. Nevertheless, you heard the voice of my supplications when I cried out to you. Oh, love the Lord, all you his saints, for the Lord preserves the faithful and fully repays the proud person. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart, all you who hope in the Lord. Amen. Art Keys, could you come up and pray for us this morning, please? Good morning, all. Dear Lord God, we come together as a church family, and yet our brothers and sisters around the world are having a hard time doing that. Um, new batch there in Afghanistan. They really need to put up in prayer. Anyway, we get to gather together to hear your words for us each and every week. I'm asking for your spirit for each and every one of us, Lord, so that we can gain and remember your message. And I thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Art. So we've had a, a couple of weeks of um, uh, no catechism questions, and so we're going to pick up where we left off. And this is Family Sunday, and so we'll remember the last three, uh, along with the song that we sang with them during those weeks where we were doing the catechism. So um, we're going to start with catechism question number 20. Who is the Redeemer? And we say this together. The answer is, the only Redeemer is the Lord Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, in whom God became man and bore the penalty for sin himself. And our short answer together as well is, the only Redeemer is the Lord Jesus Christ. Scripture is 1 Timothy 2.5, and we'll say this together as well. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man, Jesus Christ. And the passage in context is 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 7. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, 
for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. For this I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am telling the truth. I am not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. sing of my Redeemer, He who took the nails for me. I've been purchased, I've been pardoned, bound to Him, I'm truly free. I will sing of my Redeemer, how He sought me while the same.
Catechism question number 21. What sort of redeemer is needed to bring us back to God? Let's say this together. We have one answer. One who is truly human and also truly God. Scripture is from Isaiah 9.6. Let's say this together. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And the scripture in context, Isaiah chapter 9. But there will be no gloom for her who is in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden, and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as in the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult, and every garment rolled in blood, will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Great is your faithfulness, O God. You wrestle with the sinner's restless heart. You lead us by still waters into mercy. And nothing can keep us apart. So remember your people. Remember your children remember your promise oh god your grace is enough your grace is enough your grace is enough for me great is your love and Justice, God of Jacob. You use the weak to 
Catechism question number 22. Why must the Redeemer be truly human? <coughs> we can say this answer together as well. That in, in human, human nature, nature he might on our behalf perfectly obey the whole law and suffer the punishment for human sin. And also that he might sympathize with our weaknesses. And our short answer. That in human nature... He might on our behalf perfectly obey the whole law and suffer the punishment for human sin. And our verse, Hebrews 2.17. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. And the verse in context from Hebrews 2, 14 to 18. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore, 
He had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation or payment for the sins of his people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are tempted. Nothing but the blood. 
This is all my righteousness, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the blood that makes me white as snow. Paul Morgan. Bow with me for prayer. Heavenly Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This, Lord God, is our hope and stay. The blood of Christ shed for us because your majesty willed it. Because your sovereignty dictated it. Because you planned it from before the foundations of the earth that we should be called your children. When as yet there was none of us, when there wasn't even a thought of us, yet, Lord God, you thought of us. You formed us into your image. You caused us to know. You caused us to think. You gave us life. You breathed into us breath that we might breathe after. I pray, Lord God, that we would breathe your word in deeply and breathe out the righteousness of Christ to the world around us. We are a people most desperate, Lord God, for your intervention. We are a people who have but one hope, and that is that we belong to you in life or death. Lord God, show us how to be people who honor you by our words, our actions, our lives, our deaths. May we die to self increasingly daily and place all upon the altar. May we, Lord God, be a people useful to you knowing all the while that you do not need us. Your will is accomplished with or without us, but you have given us the privilege of participating in the glory of your plan, in the magnificence of your creation. We know and see and hear your voice. Your word speaks truth to us, Lord God. Silence the world in our ears. And let us hear only your word. Let us, Lord God, know your presence daily. In new and increasing ways, bend our knees before you.
fall upon our face in worship to you and you alone. And let no other idol take its place. Let no philosophy of men, no thoughts of men intervene, Lord God. Let your word be within us a fire burning away all the dross that is in our own hearts. I confess to you, Lord God, that I have yet much dross and that we as a people have much dross. So, Holy Spirit, fire of God, burn within us afresh the truth, the truth that Christ and Christ alone is Lord of lords and King of kings, majesty, mighty counselor, wonderful God. You alone are he who is, who was, and who is to come. Your ways will be accomplished whether we like it or not, whether we understand it or not, whether we want it or not. Your ways are right ways and our thoughts are not. Your thoughts are right thoughts and our thoughts are not. Lord God, show us how to substitute, how to eradicate our thoughts for your thoughts. It doesn't make sense, Lord God, that you who are God should come to pay the penalty of the sin that I have committed. Why would you choose me? Why would you choose us? But by mercy alone, through your grace alone, we know Christ alone for your glory. May you, Lord God, be honored as we remember this morning your death, your burial, and never forget your resurrection. For you alone are the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to you but by you. You are the one who calls. We, Lord God, answer in humility and say, you alone are God. And we say thank you for all that you have done and are doing. Let us never lose sight that your plan is never thwarted. And we are so small. How arrogant of us to think that we in some way can either advance or deter your plan. You alone, O oh God, bring about all that you have said and witnessed and dictated. You alone are sovereign. There is no God above you. You alone have all power and authority. And so we throw ourselves at your feet and we say, Glory be to God in the highest. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For you alone are God. In the name of Christ we offer this. We're going to take communion as we did the first of last month. Um, there are tables set up in the center aisles. Um, we have men who will serve you. Um, and if those of you in the front would um, just dismiss yourself by rows, and then we will serve you, and then um, 
you can return to your seats and for our closing. Um, so, uh, men, those of you who are going to serve this morning, please take your places. Dear Lord. 
myself away. Tis all that I can do. At the cross, at the cross, where I first sound the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy Join the chorus again at the cross. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I invite you now to stand and continue our celebration and worship by singing again, I will sing of my Redeemer. Here we go. I will sing of my Redeemer, he who took the nails for me. I've been purchased, I've been pardoned, bound to Him, I'm truly free. I will sing of my Redeemer, how He sought me while a slave, loosed me from the curse of sin and from the power of the I will sing of my Redeemer, lift my voice to praise my Lord, ransomed by His 
I will sing of my Redeemer, He who bore my cross, my curse, Came a servant, chose to suffer, Lifted up and cast from earth. I will sing of my Redeemer, Lift my voice to praise my Lord, Ransomed by His love and mercy, I am His forevermore. I will sing. I will sing. I will sing. I will sing. I will sing of my Redeemer Till about the grace I've known Here on earth with those forgiven And one day around His throne I will sing of my Redeemer Lift my voice to pray benediction it's like a closer it's like an ender but a benediction is actually a continuer so go and continue worshiping god in peace and love and mercy of christ amen